Blog Talk Radio. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. 
And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to The Balance. Time to kick things off. I hope you got your Black Rifle coffee. I tell you what, this was Veterans Day weekend. I hope you took some time to, to thank a veteran. But one way to thank them is to buy them a bag of, of uh, Black Rifle coffee. I've done that for my son and, and other people in my family. The great, the great thing about it is when you buy a bag, you give a bag. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're really good about when you about donating bags of coffee, which may seem very small to us, but it's something huge. Trust me, I know that from experience. A, a cup of coffee goes a long way. So Black Rifle Coffee, check them out. They also do a lot of work in helping uh, veterans uh, reacclimate back to the civilian world from that unstructured world. So Black Rifle Coffee, check it out. Joining us now, Adam Jimenez, Super Browns fan. Adam, uh, did you follow all the chaos and shake and bake of the show today? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've been following everything from, you know, all the ridiculousness of, of Odell this week and <laughs> last week and, and then Cam Hello. Newton, who was replaced by the Panthers because he wasn't good enough, and then they replaced the guy that replaced Cam Newton only to go, you know what, let's go back to Cam. Um, let's just and do it. Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, no, it's been, it's, the chaos is, is among us, and it's been great. That's like the guy that keeps marrying his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Ron Swanson from. If you've ever watched Parks and Rec, it's it's Ron Swanson. Like it's all 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 day long. But no, yeah. no, it's been great. And I mean, the NBA season has been great so far. Uh, teams that are unexpectedly good, like my Cleveland Cavaliers, and then there's teams that are unexpectedly bad, like the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers. Um, yeah. No. It's, it's been good. And then, you know, it's, it's been a, this is a, one of my favorite times of year. You know, we're getting close to the, the end of the, the, the college football season. Um, it, things are starting to come into view for the playoffs. So I, I love it. 
Well, we're going to be talking college football later on uh, as there's some chaos there in the college football standings because nothing there really makes sense. But Adam Jividen joins us today to chime in and, uh, and uh, run point for us on NFL. Uh, Ed is on a plane to Denver as they uh, play the Broncos. So let's just go ahead and start with Odell Beckman Jr. We like to make our jokes uh, and, and so forth, but it's it just, man, what a uh, what an ordeal it has been for Odell Beckman Jr. Was this a good pickup for the Rams? And you wonder, will uh, Odell Beckman Jr.'s, why do we always have to say that full name? I don't know. Odell Beckman Jr.'s presence disrupt uh, Cooper Cup's uh, historic pace. You got to wonder about what effect that he's going to have inside that locker room. And Adam, you know very well from following the Browns, you know, you got, you've got the one-handed celebration, OBJ, and you got the poison of the locker room, OBJ. And I, and I think that's where we're at now. What are your thoughts on this whole uh, OBJ landing at the Rams? And I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. I think we thought it was going to be at the Patriots. Go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I mean, there was talks of Pats, there was talks of Packers, there was talks of uh, Seahawks. You know, him to land with the Rams, he might be their maybe third or fourth receiver. Cooper Cup is their number one guy. The entire offense runs through Cooper Cup. That was actually stated by John Johnson, who is, uh, was safety for the Rams the last couple of years, that plays for the Browns. Uh, he, he said, yeah, he thought it was kind of interesting because their entire offense runs through Cooper Cup. And then Robert Woods is number two. Um, they're still going to hand the ball off to, to Daryl Henderson. I think Odell, in his mind, still thinks he's a top – no, I don't think. I know he does. He still thinks he's a top five receiver. When in reality, think I literally went through the list. I don't even think he's a top 20 receiver at this point in his career. He mm-hmm. is barely – he would be the number one receiver for like five teams in the league. And it was incredibly obvious. When, when Baker Mayfield just shredded the Cincinnati Bengals, how much all of his freelancing just totally disrupted the Browns' offense. And, and that's the thing is, is that Odell at this point in his career is just another dude. But he thinks in his head he's still the superstar because the media also acts like he's a superstar, but he's not. He drops balls. He doesn't want to get hit. Uh, both games that we saw in Cleveland, if there was a, de- a, a defender near him, you could see his entire body stiffen up. And and he's just not he's not that guy anymore. Yeah. Well, so you know, he's still have an impact, maybe. But I don't, I'm not going to count on him if I'm the Rams. Well, Rams owner, Stan Kroenke, uh, you know, he's a multi-billionaire uh, in real estate in, in Walmart and moved his team from St. Louis to, to Los Angeles. Here's the thing. Whether or not he gets much playing time or not or that he's a superstar or not, there's a very real possibility that Cam uh, – that I'm sorry, that Odell Beltman Jr. is crazy like a fox. It may be him and his agent – or okay with that because here's the thing: there's a very real possibility the Rams will go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and then uh, Odell Beckman Jr. has the Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I mean I he, he might, and it, I think that's a lot of it. I think in his head, if he gets a Super Bowl ring, whether or not he was like the guy to help them do it, uh, I think he thinks in his head 
that um, he'll be looked at as one of the top receivers of all time, and he won't be. He had a few really great seasons in New York, and that's it. Like, that's it. That's it. Like, if you look at, like, Odell's numbers historically, the myth of Odell is greater than Odell, the actual player. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Is I, Could he help them? Sure. Could they go win a Super Bowl? You bet. Will it be because Odell made a massive catch? I doubt it. Because one of the things, he's also, he's also led the league the last two years in drops per game. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I'm not – if I need a fourth-quarter touchdown and I need it or a fourth-down conversion, I'm not throwing the ball to Odell because you don't know where he's going to be. And then if you, even if you throw it to where he's going to be, you don't know that he's going to catch the dumb thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I mean, Odell's, I Odell's a dude. <laughs> we'll give him his 15 minutes of, of fame. We'll see what happens. As you say, I mean, you, you hate to use the word has been, but that's exactly what OBJ is, is a has been. As for the Panthers now, we talk about Cam Newton. Now, he's another has been as well. But, I mean, Newton was a, a move they had to make. I mean, they look terrible against the, the Patriots, and, 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 the, and the Panthers are still the NFC's number eight seed. You look at Darnold there, uh, man, you, you thought there was going to be a lot happening, but I look at the Panthers, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a major glue part of that team. They haven't had him, and it looks like they're going to have him back. And, of course, they just added Stephen Gilmore, C.J. Henderson to the secondary and have uh, Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson on the offense. So things are looking upward. But Stan Darnold might be, you know, in, in kind of a weak spot. I don't know what's going on there. But, you know – we joke about the, the guy who uh, marries his ex-wife. There's some comfortability in that. There's some familiarity in that. So maybe that's where they're looking at with Cam Newton. And, you know, he might just have enough spark to reignite. I mean, he, I, I don't know why he would want to go back to the Panthers after the way that they got rid of him and the, that whole debacle. But apparently they've kissed and made up. What are your thoughts about Cam Newton going back to the Carolina Panthers? Well, Cam, well, Cam, Cam going back to the Panthers is an interesting case because the GM and the owner are gone. Um, David Tepper, their current owner, wasn't there when they kind of jettisoned Cam and that whole just mess. Um, I, I think Cam is looking at this going, it's not like he has to play. He's not beating out like, Tom friggin' Brady. I mean, if he plays remotely decent, and he would have more weapons than he ever had on offense when he was leading them to that Super Bowl run where they ultimately lost to Denver. But I, I mean, Cam Cam is, was was playing well in New England last year. I was honestly really surprised that they just turned the offense over to Mac Jones, who's been okay. Uh, he's you know he, he's not turning the ball over, but I mean, he's not lighting the world on fire by any means. But, I mean, that's the thing is, is that Cam is moving to a place. You have Robbie Anderson. You have DJ Moore, who's an absolute stud. You have uh, Christian McCaffrey. You've got, uh, you've got some players on that offense. Uh, Tommy Tremble, the former Notre Dame tight end, is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <clears throat> they've, got some, they've got some weapons. And the thing is, is that they're not – they're still – absolutely um, 
competing for a divisional crown. And Cam is looking at it going, I know the stadium. I, I know. I know. So I'll have that familiarity, as you had mentioned. Um, it's a different offense, but I think Joe Brady is, is one of the best young offensive minds in all of football. doesn't matter, college, pro, whatever. He's awesome. We saw what he did with Joe Burrow when he was at LSU. And I think Cam's looking at this going, that's the best situation for me to go in, and, and it might be my last shot to take back a starting job. And do you think that happens? I mean, do you really do we really think that Cam Newton's going to be a starter in, in Carolina? Might happen. It's a possibility, but right now what, that's all. What, it is. I mean, that's the thing is, it's not like Darnold was playing well. He started off the first three weeks great, and then he reverted back to New York Jets Sam Darnold. And that's the whole thing is, is that I don't mm-hmm. even when yeah. Darnold comes back healthy, it's not like if Cam plays decent. Cam's decent is better than Darnold's best from what we've seen so far in the NFL. Well, let's go ahead and go around the NFL. Uh, typically, we will be talking NFL later on in the show with Ed Kress. As mentioned before, he is on his way to Denver to take uh, – not him personally. The Eagles are taking on the Broncos. We'll get to that game in a minute. Uh, I'll, I'll let, we'll, we'll start with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you got to look at Matt Jones uh, and uh, what – what happened with with him being a quarterback, I'm sorry, with New England. And then you got to look at the Browns' defensive, Miles Garrett. I mean, you know, oftentimes you don't look at those, those type of matchups, the defensive ends and the quarterbacks. But I think in this situation, you know, Miles Garrett's doing a lot of gameplay, a lot of game playing uh, after he after uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, what they did to Brian Burns in week nine. I mean, you got to think that Browns defensive end Miles Garrett knows what to be prepared for on Sunday against the Patriots. Yeah, I, I mean Miles has kind of already pointed to it. He, he basically said, "Mac, if you try that on me, like it will end poorly <laughs> for you." Um, no, I, I mean Miles. Let's be honest. Right now, Miles is the front runner for defensive player of the year. He has been probably the front runner for defensive player of the year the last three years until certain things happened. You know, two years ago was the helmet game with the Steelers. Then last year, he was oh. historic pace for sacks. And then historic pace for sacks, and then he got COVID. And he just, he really struggled with COVID. He said he couldn't breathe basically the rest of the season. And mm. Miles is right back at it. Uh, he's, he's the front runner for defensive player of the year. This is going to be a low-scoring game if the Browns are going to win because we're the Browns are basically down to just Dearness Johnson and some dude they pulled from the practice squad at running back. Um, we all know Kareem Hunt got hurt against the Cardinals. Um, and then this week, um, John Kelly, who is a special teams and backup, Demetric Felton, our rookie out of UCLA, who's played really well in, like, sub, uh, sub packages and, and on third down as a receiving back. And then Nick Chubb are all out with COVID. So they're down to Dearness Johnson, who played great against Denver. Um, but we, we, may, we need to hit some big shots. Try to control it with the running game, but Baker's going to have to go out and have a really good game. Um, and then the defense, I think the defense, they've worked their way up to there, the third-ranked defense. Miles and that defensive line have to feast, have to feast on a very immobile Mac Jones. And I think you'll see Clowney and you'll see those defensive tackles and Miles Garrett. I, I think Miles is going to pick up like two and a half sacks and like a forced fumble. Like that's my prediction for tomorrow. I think the Browns win a close game in Foxborough, um, something like a 
it may be even like a 17-16 on like a last-minute drive and then a, and then a, a game winner by Chase McLaughlin. Like that's it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. Well, you know, New, New England's a tough place to win anyway. Even if you're you're a good team and dotting all your eyes and crossing your T's, and you know they've got a great fan base. You always have to deal with the weather elements. Uh, but one thing you don't have to deal with, you don't have to deal with uh, Tom Brady. So. Uh, are, are we done talking about Tom Brady at the Patriots? He's not at the Patriots anymore. He's not ever going back to the Patriots. Let's talk about the, the Broncos uh, game uh, hosting the Eagles. As mentioned, Ed Kratz, our official beat writer, I mean, our official uh, NFL contributor and beat writer for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles on a plane to Denver. Uh, they have to go take care of business. But I, I tell you what, I, I, I'm moderately impressed uh, by the by, the Broncos. I mean, I think they can beat the Eagles. Honestly, I, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. I mean, my prediction is it's going to be a close game, and I think the Eagles are going to pull out a win. But I mean, it won't surprise me. I mean, think about what they did with uh, with with the Cowboys. Uh, you know, so they're 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 poised to have a three game winning streak if they beat the Eagles this week at home, and that's going to be huge in the NFC East. Yeah, I, I mean this. This game for this is an interesting game because the strengths for each team are going to match up. The Eagles are much better on offense than they are on defense, but then Denver is much better on defense than they are on offense. And so you're going to have strength against strength and then weakness against weakness. Um, this game is going to come down to for the Philadelphia Eagles, how well does Jalen Hurts play and can he get it in the end zone? Denver has a really good red zone defense, but if Jalen Hurts can get it in the end zone, Philadelphia wins. If Denver holds them to field goals in the red zone, Denver wins. It's literally that simple for this game. Um, Bridgewater, he can move the ball some, um, but they they have trouble scoring. Um, But if the Eagles can cash in their opportunities, they could win going away. But if they are struggling finishing off drives with touchdowns, it could be one of those ugly games that that Denver takes. No, I absolutely agree with you. They are the Eagles are going to have to just come in and take care of business. I, I mean, I think everybody's picked, I think they're the favorite. The Broncos are the favorite. I'm sorry. I think everybody in, in the national media are saying that this is going to be a Broncos win. Uh, but again, the execution on the offense and defense against the Cowboys have, have been the best I've seen from the Broncos in a very long time. The issue is if that level of play is that level of play hasn't been consistent. So the consistency is what worries me. If they are become inconsistent and the Eagles are able to capitalize on that, which I think is what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, that's just me. That's just me. Call it a gut feeling. The Eagles win 17-13 over the Broncos. You agree with that score? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that makes sense. I I, I think I'm going. I'm going to take. Philly 24 to, we'll say 24-17. All right, let's put, let's put on the Homer card as we're based here in Indianapolis. High type the top the balance studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. We're Colts country here. Uh, Colts have, well, be good or be bad, but don't be mediocre. That's exactly where the Colts are at right now. They host the Jaguars at, at home. I mean, you would think textbook and chalk, we can just get this done with. But we always have some issues surrounding the Colts. And I saw as, as yesterday on the injury report that Carson Wentz is listed as questionable. Now, I think that's just more of a of a, a strategy more than an actual injury, but we don't know. So let's just 
pretend that Carson Wentz is going to be in. We assume that he's going to be. The Jaguars are certainly on the struggle bus this year if they haven't already mailed it in. They've got the Colts on the road. This should be a chalk win for the Colts. You would think so, but at the same time, the Jags upset the Colts. <laughs> We're talking about the Colts, so, right? Like, I mean, I mean, I was like, what just happened? Um, do I think the Colts win? Yes. Um, do I think Carson Wentz plays? Yes. The struggle that I'm struggling with the Colts right now is we will see like good Carson and then bad Carson, and we're going, okay, is this is this you know Jekyll and Hyde act just his thing, or is is good Carson slowly starting to overtake bad Carson plays with, with, you know, uh, Coach Reich. I, I don't know. Do I think the Colts win? Yes. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I have seen this year from the Colts that, that really is setting them up is I think they're identifying where they are. Like, we knew they were established on the offensive line. We knew the defensive line was starting to come together. What it's done with the Colts is we've established where we need to fill holes for the next few years. I think the Jags are going to come in following that upset of Buffalo, and they're going to be all, hey, we got this, and they, they, their offense just can't score. Um, I, think the Colts, I think the Colts, frankly, if they can put up 10 points early, which is how I see this going, is like 10 points in the first quarter or maybe early second, they just run away with it. I think we see one of the best offensive performances we've seen of the year um, by Indianapolis against a Jags team that just kind of can't keep up. They just don't have the weapons. I mean, they just can't. So I see this game being, honestly, I'm going 34-10 Indianapolis. Well, I hope you're right on that. Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, super uh, Buckeyes fan, uh, our college football co-pilot, and just all-around good guy and stepping in and talking to NFL. We've only got – about three or four more minutes left before we have to merge right into our uh, NBA segment as we're kicking off our new NBA segment. And, and Adam, you're certainly more than glad to stick around with that. But uh, Tony Donahue our, from Tony D Podcast is going to be our official NBA contributor. He is on a tight clock with us today and can only be on for about 15 minutes or so. And then Rick Riggin will be joining us a little bit later. So you can certainly stay as long as, as, as you want, but let's just get through some of these games here real quickly. And I'll just throw them out here, there to you. And you just kind of tell rapid me. Rapid fire, baby. Let's do it. There's a rapid fire. Here we go. Saints and Titans. Saints on the road. I mean, Titans, yeah, Saints on the road Titans. Titans are rolling right now. I got Titans winning. Uh, I'll go 31-17. Bills on the road with the Jets. Uh, the Jets are the worst team in football. Um, even though Jack or even though Jacksonville beat Buffalo, I think Buffalo's going to be pissed. <laughs> and I think this is going to be ugly. And it'll be ugly early. Um, I'm going Buffalo. We'll say 38 to to 10. Lions on the road against the Steelers. One of your nemesis. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, those are two bad offenses. Um, I'm gonna go Steelers, pull the win. Uh, we'll say, I don't know, twenty to three because Detroit's offense is horrific. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. In the Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on the road against a very moderately good home team, Washington. <laughs> 
yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Brady all day. The Washington defense just is not getting it done. Basically, Chase Young is getting triple teams at the line of scrimmage, and they're still not getting home. Um, if you can't hit Tom Brady, he will dissect you all day long. I'm taking Bucks, forty-two to thirteen. Falcons on the road against a very wounded Cowboys organization. I think Dallas is going to play better, um, even though they're banged up. This, this is like a – you got to, like, man up and just play better than you did last week. I've got it – it's going to be a tight game. Um, I'm thinking, like, 24 – it could be 24-20, 24-23, you know, the battle of field goals at the end. Battle of quarterbacks, if you will, and in a lot of ways, is a true statement. The Panthers, Donald, and Kyle Murray, a banged-up Kyle Murray at home. I'm hoping for the best for fantasy purposes uh, in one of my leagues with Kyle Murray. So uh, I'm hoping for a Cardinals uh, good performance by Kyle Murray anyway. But the Panthers are on the road in the desert against the Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals are just going to overwhelm the Panthers right now. The Cardinals are one of the top four teams in the NFL. Um, at this juncture in November. Um, we'll see how Kyler's health sticks. Uh, the, you know, last year he got hurt, so we'll see around this time, and that's when the Cardinals season kind of fell apart. Um, so we'll see, but I've got the Cardinals winning this game. They're just too balanced on offense and defense. Um, the Panthers are going to, I think, will keep it close, but I think uh, Arizona wins. I'm going to say 31-27. to 27. So the Vikings are on the road out in San Diego against the Chargers. But you got to think, the Vikings have got to be kind of excited because they held uh, Baltimore to an overtime win last week. And then we just see this week uh, on Thursday, uh, the, the Ravens just get schooled by the Dolphins. No pun intended. Although, I don't know if Dolphins are in schools or, or not. So we'd have to Google that. But I digress. Go ahead. Vikings and Chargers. Yeah, I, I, I... The Vikings are a team that literally is like they'll lead every single game and then they'll lose every single game. Um, they just they just can't get it done in crunch time. Um, and then the Chargers are are going to be looking to continue their 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 good season. Um, I've got the Chargers winning. I think I think the Chargers offense led by Herbert and those receivers are just going to overwhelm Minnesota. I think Minnesota is looking at moving on from Kirk Cousins in the off season, and I've got. Um, I'm going to take San Diego. Um, we'll say 34 to 27. Okay, well, that's all the time that we got for the NFL. Uh, let's just go ahead and do a quick. Uh, 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 hold on here. So sorry. Let's just go ahead and do a quick uh, introduction to the NBA. What's going on? We'll start with you with the Cleveland Cavaliers. As you said, they're surprisingly good this year so far. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Why do we wait for Tony? Holy crap, what happened? I was was (laughs) as optimistic a Cavs fan as it possibly gets, and I was looking at this year, another year in the bottom three of the lottery, and I thought Evan Mobley, the rookie, center would be good and that kid's going to be a star when you have anthony davis following them playing the lakers early on saying that that mobley is 
reminds him of himself at a young age, and then continues by saying that he is better than he was when he came into the league. That uh, raised some eyebrows, or I suppose in Anthony Davis's case, it raised an eyebrow. Um, but, you know, I, the Cavs are good. On paper, this team doesn't make sense why they're doing well, but they've bought into playing team basketball. You never know on any given night who is going to uh, lead the team in scoring. A couple nights ago, you had Ricky Rubio erupt for his career-high 37 points. Uh, Mobley is not only the pretty much consensus early leader for the Rookie of the Year award, he's already in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, um, which is insane for a rookie. Uh, and, and then Darius Garland is making a big step forward. The interesting thing for the Cavs is they've got a really tough end of month where they have Brooklyn twice, they play the Suns, they play the Warriors. Um, if they can just hold it together and get to the end of this month at 500, they've got some much easier months ahead because the first two months of the schedule were actually the toughest in the entire NBA based off of winning percentage. So it, it, it puts them in a good spot, but they also are trying to do this while sustaining the loss of Colin Sexton, their uh, two guard who has, has had some, some all-star consideration um, last season, didn't make the roster, but was putting up really great numbers. Um, and this year is being a lot more efficient with his shot selection. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Cavs are looking good. The Pacers upset, uh, handed the Jazz their first home loss of the season. Miles got into it with Rudy Gobert, which was unexpected, but awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool. I love seeing that the Pacers and the Cavs both play good basketball, and that's that's what we have seen um, in different chunks, especially as the Pacers are still looking to get some guys healthy, like T.J. Warren. So it has been a great start to the season for me. Ha. So Steph Curry, he made some history. He is now uh, the all-time three-point shooter of all time. Did you hear that? Yeah, Steph. Steph, we. I, I don't. I don't know what happened to Steph. He. He like. Steph has always been, obviously, very, very good. This year, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do what Steph is doing. Um, and I think the biggest thing for Steph Curry that is different than from when Kevin Durant was in Golden State is that Steph is playing fun and he's playing happy again. Uh, you can see a smile on his face all the time. When he was with Durant, he was just kind of grumpy. But Steph, yeah. is, Steph has gone nuclear. Absolutely. It's crazy. Joining us now is Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast to help us kick off our official NBA uh, segment and our official NBA contributor. Uh, Adam Jibbett is still hanging around with us. He talks some uh, uh, NFL with us because we're doing a little shake and bacon in today, Tony, because uh, Ed's on a plane to Denver because the Eagles play uh, the the Broncos. Uh, We'll start with that. We were talking about Steph Curry becoming the all-time three-point leader uh, in, in, in NBA history and that he's just on fire. And Adam, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to make sure we got uh, Tony in here as we got him on a tight clock today. Uh, so go ahead, that Tony. Is okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been an impressive year. I mean, 11-1, they blew out the Bulls last night. And no, no, nobody's really been close. And we'll see when they go on their Eastern road swing here in the next couple of weeks when they get the Nets, Cavs, and Pistons. But, um, I mean, they're blowing out good teams, too, like – 
the Hawks aren't bad. Hornets are pretty good so far this year. So a pretty impressive start for the Warriors at 11 and one. You know, we were just talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers because Adams is a super Browns fan and uh, Buckeye fan and our all around go to Cleveland, Ohio guy. Uh, so we were talking just to kind of fill in some space waiting on you about the Cleveland Cavaliers. But how exciting they are to watch, even if you're not a Cavalier fan like Adam. So what are your thoughts and your takeaways on the start of the season of the Cavaliers? Yeah, I mean, I think Garland's making progress. Um, you know, you've got veteran leadership in Ricky Rubio. Uh, you know, Jared Allen is, is, is the guy you know is probably going to be good for close to a double-double a night. So very young team. Um, I think it's all about learning. Uh, they still got some pieces missing. Um, Evan Mobley's a guy that's, that's, that's getting it done as a rookie too. So, um, you know, it's just one of those teams that, you know, when you look at maybe from a Pacers angle that you didn't expect to be eight and five on the year, uh, but we'll mm-hmm. see if they can keep that up. Well, that's exactly another thing we were just talking about, you know, the, the Pacers are another uh, surprisingly good team and, and, and we need that to happen. <laughs> we, we talked about that last, last week as well. So Tony, uh, our official NBA segment begins today. We're going to give you the lead on it because we know we've got a tight clock on it and I want to make sure we, we get, you covered everything you want to cover. So we'll let you take the lead and do the rundown on the NBA as we know it going into this week. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Pacers, it's just been a very inconsistent start to the year. There's been a lot of injuries. Malcolm Brogdon's been hurt. Um, it seems like, you know, T.J. Warren's still a month away from being in there. Karis LeVert's missed half the games at 5-8. and eight. You know, they, they kind of we, – we, we know who they are. They're a team that – has good bench play, but just very inconsistent. Miles Turner goes for 41 nights. The next night he goes for eight points and three rebounds, and he's hurt. Um, you know, to go two and two on that road swing, you had a chance to beat Denver, and you couldn't put them away. Uh, Jokic was obviously hurt, or was obviously out in that game after um, cheap shot and Marquise Morris the other night. So, but the comeback bounced back with a win over Utah. Uh, you've got some winnable games over the next couple of, of, of weeks with the Pelicans coming to town. Uh, going to Detroit, but it's still a very tough first month of the schedule for the Pacers. You know, four games on the road, they come back for one home game, then back on the road for three. So once they get settled in in mid-December, I think you'll see a lot better Pacers team than what we've seen so far this year. Really excited to see what the Warriors can put together. We always talk about the Warriors toward the end of the year, but, you know, they've managed to uh, have some pretty good lottery picks. Now it's time for them to, to start putting that puzzle together. How do the Warriors do that? Well, Steph's playing out of his mind right now, and I think you look mm-hmm. at where they are without Clay Thompson, don't know when he's going to come back. He obviously had that setback last month, but Steph's been playing well. Even guys like Andrew Wiggins, who are understanding their roles, playing well. Um, Jordan Poole off the bench is a great, great, great addition. Gary Payton Jr. Um, out of Oregon State in his second year has put up some really good numbers. And like like you talked about, you've got that, that veteran leadership, you know, with, Draymond Green with Kevin Looney and Steph Curry. Um, yeah, I mean, when Steph, if Steph's going 40 a night, it's going to be tough to beat him. You know, it feels weird uh, talking about Frank Vogel at the Lakers. It just it, it doesn't roll off the tongue right. Uh, but what do we know about LeBron James? I, I mean, the last that I heard that Frank Vogel was talking about, he considers LeBron to be a day-by-day. So LeBron James, sidelines, that's never a good thing for an already struggling Lakers. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough start to the season for the Lakers. I mean, you've got losses at home to to the Timberwolves last night in a blowout. I mean, they got outscored 40-12 to 12 in the third quarter. Um, you know, you, you can't be losing games at home to the Thunder. It's going to take 20 to 25 games for these guys to gel together with 
with the ego that Russell Westbrook has, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But, but some of their role players just haven't been um, – you know, you lose Alex Caruso last year, seemed to just be a guy that would, would come in and, and bring the – bring bring a lot of energy. I mean, Wayne Ellington, Ken Bazemore, you bring in, they haven't really done much. Malink Monk hasn't done much. Carmelo Anthony has been very inconsistent. So, um, yeah, it's. I don't think Frank Vogel's that great of a coach. I think that that's probably going to be the first guy that that, that, that takes the fall for, for how bad they've started. So, um, yeah, they, they've got to do something to get better. Adam Jivett is still joins us here with us, and I appreciate you hanging out with us. Adam uh, did our NFL segment, which we did first, uh, and he's also our college football co-anchor and co-pilot, but also <laughs> knows his basketball, and he knows LeBron James well as his time, obviously, there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. As you see LeBron James on the sidelines, and you, and you again, as Tony just alluded to, we know that Frank Vogel isn't that great of a coach. This was not a very good recipe for a good season for the Lakers, Adam. No, I, I mean, the thing is, is that I, it was like the Lakers. I saw a meme the other day that said, you know, it was like the Lakers. They saw what happened last year in their playoff series against the Suns, and they said, wow, we got beat by speed and athleticism and shooting. So let's go add age and not shooting and slow guys. Um, the, the Lakers are the oldest roster in the league. I don't even think it's ego, ego at this point. Like, are they going to be held together by, like, duct tape and Band-Aids? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> this Laker team, it, it, they're so cap spent just because of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis making what they make. And, and LeBron is almost at a point where he's just like, I just want to play with my buddies, which is fine. And, and, but you have the yeah, Warriors you're... ascending back to where they were, and they've got the Phoenixes still – Phoenix playing incredibly well. Utah is still really good. Dallas still is going to do their thing as long as Luka Doncic is there. Denver is, is still rounding into form from guys that are coming back from injury. And then the Clippers are doing all this well without Kawhi Leonard. So, like, where do the Lakers fit in? The reality is the Lakers are probably just a bottom playoff contention team in the Western Conference. Well, they're the, uh, it used to be that the Clippers were the other team in L.A. It appears that right now, anyway, uh, Tony, that the uh, Lakers are the other team in L.A. I know your clock is tight with us, so I'll let you go ahead and finish up what you have to say about the NBA this week, sir, and let us know what you're working on on your podcast this week and where can people find your work in Masterpieces, Tony. Yeah, I've been impressed by the Wizards out of the Eastern Conference. I mean, they had the trade that got Russell Westbrook out of there and to the Lakers gained some some quality players like Kyle Kuzma. Um, they've been able to go on the road and win games. They've been able to um, pull away from teams, which, you know, this this is a Wizards team that, that hasn't been able to do that as of late. Um, the Wizards and the Raptors are two teams that I think have been, been fairly impressive. Uh, the Wizards beating the Bucks the other night. Um, you know, Bradley Beal, as we know, can put up 30 points every night, but Montrez Harrell, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who came down from the Nets, Kyle Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, all these guys are, are stepping in and, and putting up double digits a night for the Wizards. So um, that's a team we'll see if they continue to stay up towards the top of the Eastern Conference or they fall. We'll see what happens with the Pacers. Miles um, Turner, Rudy Gobert getting into the, the other night, kind of a little little, little push, pushing match for no reason. Um, but the Pacers get it done. So tough road for the Pacers coming up over the next week. Again, you come back from your Western Conference road swing, and you got to welcome in the Sixers and go on the road for three in a row against the Knicks, who are good, the Pistons, who are terrible, and a Hornets team has been pretty pesky so far. So 
we'll see where the Pacers stand when we talk again in the week. Look, look forward to it. Uh, you have yourself a, a good weekend, sir, and thanks for coming on. And thanks for kicking off our NBA segment, sir. We look forward to talking NBA week to week with you, sir. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, our official NBA contributor. Adam, I appreciate you sticking around with us. Let's let's continue this conversation about the NBA and and what's what the top stories are. We were talking a little bit about the Warriors earlier uh, with Tony. Uh, did you have anything to add with that? Because Steph Curry being on fire the way that he is, I mean, and and then cu- couple that with the uh, lottery picks that they've been able to put together over the, the last year, few years. Man, it's hard to think that maybe they're not going to be a national champion. Yeah, I mean, right now, the, the Warriors are the best team in the league, and it's kind of not even close. Oh, I mean, when you, have, when you have guys like Steph Curry that are so good, it changes the entire game plan of the opposing team, it kind of makes it easier to build a roster around him because you're able to find guys that fit into their niche, you know, and into their role really, really well. You don't have to go and search for, well, we need a guy that we can score in this court. Because Seth can, at this point, he can, besides play phenomenal defense, he can do it all. But, I mean, let's be real. If Seth can't play for phenomenal defense, that's okay because he's going to go drop a three on the guy's head 30 seconds later. So, I mean, he's just – he is playing out of this world. We've never seen anything like this. He, he is so clearly – the MVP of the league right now, it's not even close. Like, it's not even a discussion. Uh, they're <laughs> like, right now, who's the MVP? Yeah. Who, who else would you consider? Nobody. Um, and, and so when you have that for the Warriors, it, it is a recipe for success, combined with a coach in Steve Kerr that has championships, um, both as a player and then obviously as a coach with, with Golden State. So, I, I mean, they are, my gosh, they're good. And they're, and they're super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They are they are the Warriors team again that pre Kevin Durant that was fun to watch and 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 they're and they look good doing it so yeah I, I think that Warriors team is 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 looking unstoppable right now barring injury. Well, we certainly have talked about the the Nets and thinking about the Nets, the team to watch in the East. Certainly now we're starting to get excited about the Bulls and, and, and the Cavaliers, and even the 76ers are knocking on the door there and playing some very, very good basketball. Uh, but the Wizards still on top there, uh, you know, but they they have a better record than the Nets. But, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Nets have a better record than, than they do, but still leading the number one in the number one position in the East. I still think the road to the national championship and the NBA championship goes through Brooklyn. You know, this is the thing is, is it, yeah, if they can stay healthy. Like, this is the thing is, is that Kevin Durant has a long injury history. James Harden has a long injury history, and that was before he turned into that James Harden. Um, And then Kyrie, who knows if he actually wants to play basketball or if he just wants to be an activist like Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. Uh, I don't think he actually wants to play basketball. I think he wants to get paid to not play basketball. But Brooklyn is really, really good. I just don't know if they can stay healthy is the question. Um, And and then the Bucs are still getting healthy. Like, 
everybody's kind of forgetting the NBA champ right now. And, and they look at the record, and they're like, oh, well, the Bucks are clearly just returning back to earth, except they've played a good chunk of the season um, without Chris Middleton and then without Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday just recently came back. He's going to round into form. I still think the East runs through Milwaukee, and it doesn't matter what their seed is because they still have Giannis. If Holiday's, still health, if Holiday's healthy and Middleton's healthy, the road's going to go through Milwaukee. Let's talk about scandal, if you will, and chaos. We've got to keep within the theme of the song, uh, of, the, of the show, or the song, if you want to write a song about that. The, the NBA's probe into possible free agency tampering centered uh, on, on, the, uh, on the trade acquisitions of Luanzo Ball, I'll get it out, and Miami's uh, Kyle Lowry. Um, really appears to reach a plateau, and uh, according to the NBA, they've conducted numerous uh, interviews. This is looking ugly for both Ball and Lowry. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this could be very similar to – it happened years ago with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Joe Smith. Um, for those, you know, fans that um, may be a little younger, I think I was in, like, middle school when this happened – um, but the, the, the Timberwolves basically got hammered for the exact same situation that we have seen with, with Miami and with Chicago, and they, uh, they got hit really hard. They were stripped multiple first-round picks, fined heavily, and what was interesting is at the time the NBA fined their salary cap, so it essentially capped them out, and they couldn't do anything and that was one of those teams. That was a Kevin Durant, not sorry, Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett-led Minnesota Timberwolves team. They had young Stephon Marbury, and then they just, like, went nowhere, and they went nowhere because of the penalties from the tampering case. Which I, I guess so I, it, it happened. I, I don't understand oh, when you're at that level. I, I, I can kind of understand why you might do it at the college level, but when you're at that level, come on, especially at the level that Ball's at, is there really even a need to be playing that game? You know, and this is what's weird about the whole thing. Kyle Lowry made it known from day one he wanted to go to Miami. Lonzo made it known from day one he wanted to go to Chicago. So what are you doing? Like, why? That's, and that's your point. Is like, why did you even feel the need to do this? I don't get it personally. It, it, it's kind of baffling to me because, again, if you get caught, um, you're going to get hammered. And they got caught. And, and, and I, guess that's, that, I guess that would be the question is why even play the if you get caught? They always say it's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> why, why even put yourself out there so that, I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense. You know, let's uh, – Tony, talk about a little bit. We didn't get much time on. I had it on my notes to, to dive in today, obviously because of our homer hat. But Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert uh, got into it. And certainly Miles Turner is among the four that are being fined. And it almost turned out to be an all-out brawl. And, you know, the Pacers are well familiar with the brawl. With the brawl but, man, that, that was years ago. It's, it's hard to believe I'm showing my age. But I remember watching that when it actually happened. But, it wasn't quite to that level, but man, it did it did get uh, pretty tense there for a moment when Gobert and Miles Turner got into it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it escalated quickly. I think 
frankly, if I'm a Pacers fan, I kind of like seeing that fight, not not literally, but figuratively, from Miles because Miles has kind of routinely been seen as that guy that just kind of like he's he's not there when he's needed, and 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 who knows? I mean, maybe maybe this is a thing that helps get him going. I don't know, but I, it, I think that. I remember, yeah, I remember the, the, the malice at the palace. But, I mean, I remember when <laughs> kind of those kind of shoving matches in the NBA were like a nightly event. Uh, I remember the days of, you know, Charles Oakley and Bill Lambeer and Dennis Rod. I mean, my gosh. They'd have no problem, you know, throwing down. And it was almost like a hockey fight in the NBA sometimes. But <laughs> we don't see that as much anymore. <laughs> they, people have gotten uh... – the NBA has gotten civilized, I think. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the West before we go on into our college football segment. Rick Rigman will be joining us. I know you have to bail, too. So uh, we talked about the Warriors, but let's also talk about the Phoenix Sun. There's some distractions going on there with that team as well that they have to focus on. Uh, not focus on, I'm sorry, but there's certainly some big distractions with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, their, their problem is they just, they've got a lot of really talented guys and all those really talented guys want to get paid. Um, and they did not give DeAndre Ayton the max like he was hoping for, and he is not happy about it. Now, I think what they're saying is we want to see you – because he really had, has had one great season, um, and that was last year when they made that finals run. Um, they want to see him do it consistently. And I think they – I mean, personally, I don't I, – I totally understand it. It's, we want to see you do it again. And if you do it again, then we'll give you what you want. But we need to see you do it again. You've done it once. So, and you know, I, I should have through it. But even with that, they're the number two team in the West. I should have mentioned uh, the other distraction I was talking about. I don't really want to get into it, but it is what it oh, is. Robert you know, Sarver. certainly allegations yep, of racism right. and misogyny with the Phoenix Sun coaching organization. So, We'll we'll see how that that plays out, but that was that was on me for for leaving that that out. Let's go ahead and I, let's know, uh, and I, let's. I uh, kind of forgot about the Robert Sarver information, primarily because <laughs> all of the allegations that came out, like one of them that came out is they were complaining about bullying in the workplace, and I was like, what What are we twelve? Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> like come on, man, it's a big boy job. You're probably getting paid like a hundred G's to go work in a basketball organization, like. If you don't like it, you know, like go manage Kinkos. Like, I don't, I don't have a ton of like, I don't want to say respect. I don't, I don't listen to a ton of those things all the time because I feel like our society is kind of well, we're soft now. Yeah. And like when I hear about bullying, like, dude, for real, you know, you know, man, for bullying. Let me take you back to school back in my day. I'll show you what bu- a bully was. Yeah, like, come on, <laughs> just like go back up, bro. <laughs> let's uh, let's prime up our uh, college football talk and certainly a lot of uh we're going to get into this with rick riggin uh but you know our, our college football prognosticator uh but the, the playoffs standings you just scratching your head where do they come up with this stuff but let's go ahead and let you talk about your buckeyes <laughs> and this I mean, we're still in the conversation with the Buckeyes being in the playoffs, barely, if at all. Uh, but uh, what, what are your thoughts about the Buckeyes and, you know, as we get ready for these uh, playoff uh, situations and, and scenarios? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, currently, they're currently sitting four. 
four, and we've got a game today against Purdue. That's Purdue's ranked nineteen. We have a game next week against Michigan State. Michigan yeah, State. Well, think about the, the win. Think, think about the win that Purdue pulled off most recently. Oh, I know, but that also that also gets the attention of the team you play next. You're so absolutely. I, that's I a valid that's, point. That's the thing is, I think you go. I think you look at it and you go, okay, they've got Purdue that's ranked nineteenth. They'll have Michigan State, who's probably going to be ranked in the top six or seven next week. And then the following week is the game. And that team up north is probably going to be ranked in the top six. Even though, do I think they're in the top six, like, talent-wise? No, no, not a chance. Um, Ohio State's fine. If they went out, they could literally climb as high as number two. If Georgia beats Alabama, which Alabama struggled again last week against LSU. Um, if Georgia beats Alabama, which I kind of expect at this point, Alabama is out. And I could see, based off of resume, Ohio State climb over Oregon. Oregon's got a couple tough games, too, so they may drop another one as well. But Ohio State could climb up to two. And if Alabama sits at two losses and Oregon picks up a loss, you know, we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. They have three tough games in a row. Um, you could see Cincinnati start to come back into the discussion. Um, this year is bonkers. Um, I just kind of hope that if Alabama loses, which, again, I think happens, there is enough, whether it's Cincinnati undefeated or Oklahoma wins out or Oregon, you know, keeps winning, to keep Alabama out of the field. There, if Alabama has two losses, they don't have a single quality win on that resume. They have no business seeing the playoffs. Adam Jimenez, I appreciate you jumping in with us and covering some NFL with us and talking some chaos and talking some NBA with us. Uh, I always ask people where they can find you, your work and masterpieces, but I know where to find you. So I hope you have a good weekend. Yeah, <laughs> social media ghost, man. That's right. Social media ghost. He really does exist. You know, the big big pumpkin, Charlie Brown, the, the big Adam. <laughs> The big Adam on the balance. He really does exist. <laughs> That's right. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend. We appreciate you. You too, Tom. I'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. Adam Jividen, <laughs> Super Brown Sand, uh, joining us. And it, it was so awesome to kick off our NBA segment with our official NBA contributor. I know he was tight on the clock today. Uh, but And that's Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. We have his podcast up on social media. Go check it out. And uh, certainly uh, he'll be talking more about that Pacers melee with uh, Miles Turner. Can we call it a melee? I don't know. Uh, But, again, uh, Steph Curry on fire, uh, best uh, three-point shooter in in NBA history at this time. Uh, So, you know, hey, what what an opportunity for us to talk about that on our first NBA segment of the year. Uh, You know, you know how that goes. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance the Radio Network. We're going to get our college football segment kicked off with Rick Riggin, our official college football prognosticator. Go! 
face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, our college football co-anchor, co-pilot, stepping in for Ed, who's on a plane to Denver because the Eagles are playing the Broncos. Of course, he's the official uh, NFL contributor for us and uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. He sends us our love, his love. And then Tony Donahue stepped in here, and we kicked off our brand-new segment because we don't have racing anymore, or at least until February. So we're filling that gap uh, with NBA talk, obviously. Uh, uh, big news out of the NBA. Steph Curry becomes the, the number one three-point shooter in NBA history at the moment, and he's certainly on par to be the MVP so uh, Tony Donahue joined us, and then uh, Adam stuck around and talked some uh, NBA with his, about his Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, topped things off with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Make sure you got your Black Rifle coffee. I got my new Freedom Fuel here. You know, this was uh, Veterans Week, and I hope you thank the veteran. But certainly one of the ways you could do that still is buy them a bag of Black Rifle coffee because whenever you buy a bag, you give a bag, and it goes back uh, to the troops and first responders, and they do a lot uh, with helping uh, veterans get reacclimated uh, to civilian life, if you will, which a lot of people might think is a very easy task, but it's not. So they have a lot to do with that. And I know that has a lot to do with your dear and heart, Rick Riggin, and happy Veterans Day to you late. And I know you're, you're a big proponent of that, those sort of things as well. Uh, so real quickly, uh, shout out to all the veterans. And Rick, thank you for what you do uh, with with the veterans. Any words you want to say in this post-Veterans uh, Day weekend? Right, well, thank you for your service too, buddy. If you guys Thanks, didn't sir. know us, 
Tom is an army vet, army veteran. I am. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the grunts, man. They get it done. Uh, that's, the ground pounders. That's right. And a great picture, though, when you were up at uh, the Navy game, I, I saw a great picture that you posted with some vets. And that was really uh, a good picture that you got with some Marines yeah, and that Airmen. Yeah, that was awesome. Yep. Yeah. We had all so. four branches. We don't include the uh, America's Rowing Club, the Coast Guard, into that, but. Uh, yeah, we had all, Wait, all four branches. Like, hey, we got all four branches here. Let's let's uh, let's get this picture. You know, there's a movement to to uh, the, the, to add a fifth uh, 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 military, and that's the Space Force. Now it's going well, to take it's some already time. Added. Well, in, they okay. they already consider it. Like they're, you know, at Notre Dame when they did the whole uh, ceremony pregame for the veterans, you know, they said honoring the the six branches. So, oh, Army, cool. Air Force, Navy, oh, Marines, uh, Coast Guard, and Space Force. So, <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you know, that's pre-Star Trek days, I guess. But let's get let's get into yeah, right. the, to the chaos. Obviously, we've been talking about chaos as being our backdrop all day long, and we started that off with uh, Odell Beckman Jr. and Cam Newton and the whole chaos that's going on there. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? A ridiculous conversation of uh, Od- Odell Beckman Jr. going to the Rams and and Cam Newton ending up back at uh, uh, Carolina. It's we joked and said it's like marrying your ex-wife again. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It, it also makes for a good story, and I hope uh, he has a good like a successful couple of years there. Just just for the story, I think I think it's cool. I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> well, let's get into this. Uh, certainly, we, we, we've got some games to talk about and some meaningful games to, to talk about uh, as well. And, and we just talked with, with Adam about Ohio State being at number four. As Adam does very, very well, he paints the path to a championship, even if they were in last place, on how the Ohio State guys can get to a championship. He did not let us down. But in all seriousness, the Ohio State Buckeyes are still in the hunt, but – Man, they, they almost are going to have to win out. We'll start there with the Ohio State Buckeyes, and let's move around these chaotic standings as we begin chaos with college football. And we, we've got that extra extra um, playoff game, so we'll see how that feels out. So go ahead, Rick. Well, I didn't catch what Adam said, but uh, I would say by the way they're playing right now, they start to look like the second-best team in the country. Uh, so – if they just went out, and I and I think they definitely will. By the way, they're playing just by the you know they pass the eyeball test now. After that loss to Oregon, uh, they're they're playing like a, a completely different team. So uh, whatever he said is probably correct. Uh, I think they will probably make the national championship game because I think Georgia's going to beat Alabama, and that's going to knock Bama out of the playoffs. So I think when it's all said and done, the rankings after uh, Thanksgiving uh, Day weekend. When those rankings come out, or is the week after? Yeah, I don't know. One of those two weekends. <laughs> We're probably going to see Ohio State at, sitting at number two. And we'll see what happens. Certainly the college football playoff committee it did release its uh, first rankings of the season. And as you mentioned to me offline, uh, it just doesn't make sense. Of course, we always overreact about what it means and who's getting propped up or held down. And we start beginning to formulate our theories about how the rankings will shake up or shake down uh, when, when, you, when you look at – what we like to call chaos, and we root for chaos on this show. So let's talk about some chaos scenarios. And, you know, college football reminds us of, of 
very few teams actually win out, if you will. Uh, so let's talk about where we're at. Let's, let's just start with number three, Michigan State. Um, they're number that, three. That's not right. That's not right. You have, you have older, old rankings. Okay. Let me pull up. Uh, okay, <laughs> just go ahead and, and bail me out here. Well, your top four is, is Georgia, Alabama, jo- Oregon. I've got, I've got Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State. Now, you don't have the current playoff rankings. All right, I'll, I'll fix that. That's okay. Way to make me look bad on my show, Rick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your top four is, is Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. And as of right now, I, I'm kind of okay with uh, Oregon at three and Ohio State at four because Oregon beat Ohio State. Even though Oregon lost an, an unranked team in Stanford, they still do have that head-to-head, that win against Ohio State. Uh, but you see Bama at two. They have lost to an unranked team, right? And then if you go past that at six and seven, you have Michigan at six and Michigan State at seven, and that makes completely zero sense because we saw nine days ago or whatever it was, seven days ago, that Michigan State beat Michigan. So tell me, Tom, how does that make any kind of sense? Uh, You lose a game to a team that's right behind you, and you're still ranked ahead of them. You know, that goes back to what we've talked about many times in many years, and we do it every year, and we talk about the strength of schedule being that deciding factor for a committee. I wish that the committee would just throw that out of their vocabulary. I know that plays to the advantage of Notre Dame, so as a fan, I guess you you, you like to have that word strength of schedule in there as far as, as a deciding point. I don't like it. I think it should be based on wins and losses. Well, if it's just wins and losses and you play the YMCA seven times a year, I mean, that doesn't that shouldn't get you in the top four. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get it. you got to come up with a new joke. You it's say like that every Cincinnati. year. It's like Cincinnati. Right. It's like Cincinnati. I mean, their schedule is atrocious. They had a great win against Notre Dame. I will say, as an Irish fan, and I was at that game, uh, they did not dominate that game. They beat our second-string O-line or third-string quarterback that game. But you can't take anything away from it at the same time like I just did. They won the game. I can't argue it. I was there, saw it with my own eyes. But the rest of their schedule is garbage. Uh, their strength of schedule, they should not be a playoff team. But at the same time he's saying that, I hope they get in because as an Irish fan, I want our only loss to be to a playoff team. So – but that's where strength of schedule comes in because, I mean, they're playing teams like Tulsa and SMU every week. You know, you can't do that and then legitimately get into the playoff and then go against a team like Georgia because they're going to get destroyed by 50 points if they end up playing Georgia in the playoff. So let's talk a little bit about the playoffs and how it's structured. It's certainly those people who, who may not be as knowledgeable on college football and just like have something to do on a Saturday and, and, and tune in and say, okay, we, we hear about these people talking about chaos in college football. Where's the chaos? College football is college football. Georgia is a very strong team. With their 9-0, and why shouldn't they be number one? Alabama, you know, you look at Alabama 8-1, and Oregon 8-1, and Ohio State 8-1. and where's, where's the chaos? But now we look at we've added a – we, we ask for it, ask and you shall receive, if you, if you will. We have an, another playoff 
game. So, how's that get filled? And really, if if you take the top four, that still doesn't, you know, that still doesn't. So you still have an opportunity for Cincinnati and Michigan to get into the playoffs, and and, and that's just I I, I I I can't use big words. That's just maybes. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetical. That's the word I was going for. Go ahead. Well, there's a lot of football left, and a lot of things are going to play themselves out. Now, I don't know how it breaks down the SEC for as who's going to play in the SEC championship game. I know it's going to be Georgia on one side, uh, but is it going to be Bama or Texas A&M on the other? If it's going to be Bama, I don't see them beating Georgia. So that's going to play themselves out. They're going to have two losses at that point. If they if A&M plays against Georgia – then Bama didn't even make their conference championship game. So how do you let them in the playoffs still? You know what I mean? So there's a lot to still uh, be played out here. And things are going to work themselves out. So what we're, let's just, let's just kind of go through the top four. Where do they yep. end up in the college football playoff scenarios? Where do they end up in the championship game? Or do they end up in the championship game? Georgia, are they in the championship game or not? Oh, 100%. Alabama, in or not? No, they're not in. Ohio State, in or not? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) If I could piggyback off whatever Adam said today, I think it's starting to look like an Ohio State-Georgia title game. Okay. So where does Cincinnati play in? They're obviously going to be – they're 9-0. Uh, but yep. because because of the way there's again going back to strength of schedule this that and the other, they're, but they're going to be a major player on New Year's Day. What bowl do they go to? Well, I don't know what bowl they go to. I, I I think they need some help still. I think they're going to get it because I think Bama, if they end up playing Georgia in the SEC championship, they're going to lose. Uh, but you still got Oklahoma hanging out there undefeated. Uh, there, there's some things to play out yet, but I think, uh, to me, they're more like a, a, a New Year's Six uh, bowl type, type mm-hmm. bowl team, and might get a we might get a rematch Notre Dame Cincinnati in that scenario. So it, it's hard to say. There's a lot of football to be played yet, and uh, we got a lot of one loss teams up in the top ten that can still sneak in. And uh, I think a, a one loss team like an Oklahoma, well, they're undefeated still, but uh, they they, yep. they they could jump them. You know, it would be interesting. That would be a, a fun game to watch, a rematch between Notre Dame and, and Cincinnati. Let's talk about Michigan being 8-1 eight, eight and, uh, and Ohio State being 8-1. As, as far as the committee goes, you know, Ohio State comes out ahead of that. Uh, or the team up north to honor Adam. There. <laughs> we, who would have thought, though, in all seriousness, when we went on Harbaugh Watch at in on November 13, 2021, we'd be talking about Michigan being 8-1. and one, and having outside the bubble conversations about them being in the playoffs, not going to happen, but certainly fun conversations to have. Who would have thought we would have been talking about Michigan at eight and one, uh, you know, you know, basically on the outside looking in, but they are, they certainly have a front row seat. Yeah, they definitely do. And they can uh, really solidify themselves as a potential top five team. They go on the road today against Penn state. And uh, that, that is a huge game for Michigan. It is so, a huge game. Uh, you, you, want, you want to be 8-1 and one, or just having that one loss. I mean, 
uh, here in a couple weeks going to, into that Ohio State game. So uh, the Big Ten Conference as a whole is, is rooting for Michigan, really. At least the, the commissioners and whoever uh, shares all this money, you know, the conference makes for each other here. You know, they're really wanting uh, all the eyeballs in that Michigan-Ohio State game here in a couple weeks. So if Michigan takes a loss today, and I think it could happen, it's very, it's very possible. But uh, you're going to want these one-loss teams, uh, Michigan-Ohio State, just to still have the one loss here in a couple weeks. Well, you talk about the other team in, in Michigan, one-loss team as well, but yet they're not very much into the conversation. Of course, the Spartans is who I'm speaking of. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, lost to Purdue last week. Purdue is doing everything they can to help out Notre Dame, which, which is great. You know, they beat number two, Iowa. They beat number three, Michigan State. Uh, last week, and uh, now they today they play Ohio State. So if uh, I I really don't see them beating Ohio State, but uh, man, Tom, that'd be the chaos we're looking for if they <laughs> somehow have to pull that off too. But I don't see it. So look, you know, let's talk about just some of these teams that are just fun to watch. We know we're going to want to see them in a bowl game. What bowl game? We don't know. Let's start with uh, uh, North Carolina State. Fun team to watch. They're seven and two. Do they win out, or do they end with two losses? Uh, well, I need to see the remaining schedule, but uh, I think they could win out. I mean, they did beat Clemson. I know Clemson's very down this year. Their offense is atrocious, but their defense is still really good. And, uh, you know, they were able to put up some points on Clemson and, and get it done. So I don't see why they can't win out. Well, I think they have Wake Forest, Syracuse, and or maybe North Carolina, I think. Well, they got Wake Forest is in the mix yeah, there. That, that's tough. Uh, at uh, Wake Forest, it's going to take about 40 right. points to beat Wake Forest. <laughs> and, and that's another team to, to talk about. They're, obviously, they're not. There's more to college football than the college football playoffs. As 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 much as as we lead our fans to believe something different, that the only thing that matters is. That <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, Wake, Wake Forest. These these eight and one teams are teams that can create chaos. Is it enough to to shake the tree from the playoff picture that we already have? Doubtful, but certainly destructive forces when it comes to uh, chaos, if you will. Yeah, definitely. And just look at Virginia tonight. You know, Virginia Notre Dame. I mean, Virginia is a really good team, and they've they've got three losses, but they're second in their division, and they put up a ton of points. They have a really good quarterback. He's on the level of uh, Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett in the ACC. Uh, it's a scary game for me as an Irish fan because Virginia, Virginia can score. And I love their head coach. I love Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, he's a great head coach. Uh, last time we played at Virginia, it, it took a, a last-second touchdown pass, about 50-yard, 40-50-yard bomb from Kaiser to Will Fuller uh, to beat him in the last seconds of that game. So, Virginia, we're going into that game with, with that's on Virginia's mind as how it went a few years ago when we were there. And uh, it's going to be a tough game, and Virginia is one of those teams that can shake things up. It's going to knock Notre Dame back out of the top ten if they pull this upset off tonight. You know, we're going back to Wake Forest. I mean, do do we think that they're going to win the ACC? The Atlantic Conference? I don't think, I don't think so. I, I think in – because they don't play defense. They they play defense about the way Oklahoma plays defense. I think uh, – I have to see how the conference lines up, but I think they're on the other side of the, of the bracket. I think this might be Pitt's conference to win this year. The Wake Forest-Pitt and the ACC title game, 
I think Pitt's going to win it. And I think you're right. Pitt is a very good team, and we've we've seen them play. I mean, but how do they finish? You look at how they finish throughout the regular season. Do they win out? Do they have one losses or two losses? That's tough. They took a surprising loss last week, you know, or two weeks ago against Miami, and Miami's really down this year. And they went in the pit, and uh, they beat them by a couple scores. So that was really surprising. I mean, it's it's the way college football has been all year. It, it's just been survive in advance, and it, that has held true like all season long so far. Every week, we'll get a surprise today. Don't know where it's going to come from. Uh, maybe Penn State's going to upset Michigan. You know, I don't know if it's really an upset because Penn State's at home, but uh, that could happen just because of the way college football has played out this year. We know how much the committee loves to see division champions. And let's, just because we're Big Ten country here in Indianapolis, we talk about Ohio State, we talk about IU, we talk Big Ten a lot. So we'll just use that for familiarity. cannot talk. I do not know why. Familiarity, being familiar. I'm going to just stop with the big words today, Rick. Too early in the morning for big words. <laughs> but uh, so let's just talk about the Big Ten. If Ohio State, if Ohio State loses the Big Ten championship, what does that do for their playoff scenario? Well, that'd be two losses, and mm-hmm. they'll 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 be out of the playoff. So, okay. you know, they'll get jumped by some one-loss teams, and that's not what the committee wants. Uh, we're seeing this committee as they set criteria on how they judge on how to judge these teams and, and how to rank them, and they've thrown all that out the window this year just based off money and eyeballs and ratings. Uh, does the committee want Cincinnati in the top four? Hell no. Nobody watches Cincinnati. Nobody wants to watch Cincinnati in a playoff game. Same thing with Michigan State. That doesn't draw eyeballs and attention. But teams like Ohio State and Michigan and, uh, you know, Georgia, Bama, Notre Dame, you know, those big names, those big brands do. So we're going to see the next two or three weeks, depending how these games go, the committee is going to jump these teams like a one-loss Michigan State and an undefeated Cincinnati. I mean, just, just watch it happen. They're basing this off of eyeballs, ratings, who's going to draw in the money, and not based off any criteria because they have not selected teams based off any criteria this year at all. You know, we look at Oklahoma State and, and uh, we've the Cowboys. We've talked about them on this show. They're a fun team uh, to, to watch. Uh, where, where are we looking at for them? Well, that's going to depend on Bedlam here in like two weeks when they play Oklahoma. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Oklahoma the Bedlam series. Out. <laughs> yep. I think Oklahoma wins out, and then I think Oklahoma State's got a loss, so uh, maybe even two losses. So I mean, they're already they can sneak into the top ten even with a win against Oklahoma. They have zero shots playoff, uh, but they could get a, a an NMI six bowl. So there's three teams that I look at that have direct connect the dots to chaos. And whether or not it's a chaos in the way that we want it to go or just complete chaos, I think there's three teams that can create chaos. It ain't going to help them out any, but they're going to create some chaos. They have the ability to do that, that being Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and, of course, we've already talked about North Carolina State. Those three teams can create chaos. (laughs) Do you agree with me? Yes. I do, and if uh, A&M gets in that SEC championship game instead of Alabama, because A&M beat Alabama already, uh, that's going to be chaotic. What do you do Bama then? Because they didn't make their conference championship game at all. So how do you let them in the playoff, right? 
Exactly. But I think so, we've like seen I said, before. I think we've seen that before. I think two or three years ago, Bama still didn't get in uh, to the SEC championship game, or they still got in the playoffs somehow. And I guess it's just off of their uh, their street cred. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's no way that those three teams are going to get into the playoffs, but they can certainly uh, call no, uh, some chaos. So, real quickly, and then we get into some of the games of the day. Rick Riggin, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish are eight and one. I would say uh, you've got less than a twenty percent chance of getting into the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen, but still, and Notre Dame is going to be somewhere to watch, and they're going to be a major bowl and a major bowl. Do you think the, yep. it'll be at Cincinnati, Notre Dame, uh, New Year's Day? type bowl matchup or where do you think Notre Dame ends up they're going to be playing on New Year's Day there's no way that they're not going to play on New Year's Day they'd be in Notre Dame if nothing else because of rankings but go ahead yeah I'm seeing a lot uh New Year's Day I agree with you uh I don't think their playoff team uh it's not impossible for them to get in uh but they're going to need a lot of this shakeup you know up, up ahead of them of teams uh, losing that shouldn't be losing, like Cincinnati, maybe Ohio State, maybe Purdue gets it done today against Ohio State. I mean, something like that would really shake things up. That's why it's not impossible for Notre Dame to get in, but I don't think they should be in this year because I have watched every single snap they've taken this year, and uh, this team is in a rebuild. I'm surprised they only have one loss. You know, they were playing ugly football first half of the year, winning these games in the in the last possession. You know, now they – Defense is starting to come together a bit. The offense is playing a little better. They are winning by uh, several scores now. It's the way it should be. It's the way it's going to be next year. Uh, this year's team, not a shot to playoff, I don't think, although it's not impossible. But here's what I'm hearing, though. New Year's 6, uh, Peach Bowl against Ole Miss. There you go. That's a good matchup. That would be a yeah. fantastic matchup. Um so let's let's just kind of go through some. You know, we were talking about strength and schedules. Let's put, let's put those – non-mattering games, like Alabama has New Mexico today. Today is not right, the day yeah. to play New Mexico State. Earlier on in the season is when you play New Mexico State. I just kind of feel like it's loaded on the back end for teams like Alabama. Let's just check these boxes off at the end so we've got our wins and we move on, on about our day instead of them earning their spot in the championship playoffs, earning their spots now. When you when you earn your spot, now you you have teams like uh, New Mexico State. Rick, you you rest your players. What's what, what's the sense of, of of that in the schedule? Again, I get, I get off my soapbox, but <laughs> no, you're right. It makes zero sense, and all this game could do for Alabama is just drop them down on the rankings. Uh, I don't even know what the spread in this game is. Probably something like fifty <laughs> points. It's got to be right. It's gonna be. It's going to be a blowout. It's a game you don't even want to watch. You'll follow it on Twitter or something. Yeah, uh, but right, it's just, yeah. it just <laughs> an observational statement there. We talked about Michigan and Penn State, but there, that's a game that matters. Penn State ranked 23, uh, Michigan ranked 9. But, again, Penn State can create some chaos for Michigan with a with a win today. Oh, yeah. Penn State wins today. Michigan has no shot at getting in the, uh, the playoff. And I would like to see, actually, Notre Dame-Michigan play each other in NY6. Maybe I'm kind of rooting for a Michigan loss. I root for Michigan on lose anyway. But, uh, you know, maybe extra special because I like to see Notre Dame and Michigan play this year in a bowl game. That would be great. That would be fun. That would be fun. Next, is it next year when uh, Notre Dame and Navy play in Ireland? It is next year. But I tell you, the game of the season next year is going to be week one. 
Notre Dame at Ohio State at the Horseshoe. Oh, we should, week one we should all year. get together and, and, and road trip. <laughs> we get me, you, and yeah, Adam together. Uh, what could go wrong there, right? <laughs> right. In 2023, Ohio State's coming to Notre Dame. So, <laughs> so you know, Georgia has ten. Georgia's on the road against Tennessee. Tennessee has some good wins. Again, you know, Melissa's going to yeah. kill us for this, but you know, we we get. We got a bang on the balls, I guess. But I, I just don't see this is a box that Georgia's checking off today against Tennessee. Yeah, you know, you, you could tell uh, the our producer Melissa that I actually like what I've been seeing <laughs> Tennessee lately. Uh, the offense has been scoring some points. Uh, they're just going you know to run into. If Georgia was in the NFL, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, if Georgia was in the NFL, I think their defense would probably be like ranked tenth. You know, this is the NFL defense Tennessee is getting ready to go against today. So that alone right there uh, is why Tennessee doesn't have a shot in this game. But I will say lately, uh, these past couple of games, two or three games, Tennessee is moving the ball. And I really – they have a, a, their quarterback they have now is starting to look pretty good. Uh, watch out for Tennessee next year. Top half of uh, the, the SEC next year. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she. I'm, I'm just gonna say, Melissa said it's about time you talk some sense about Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're dropping off our live feed right now. We're going into the balance overtime. We do this usually with Ed, and you know, when we're in overtime, we are officially on podcast mode. Our show is our podcast, so we don't do a lot of editing. Uh, but you know the the podcast form, Rick. You can you can just take a chug of monster there and and let it let it go. You know, last yep. week we learned some things about Ed. Did you get a chance to listen to the overtime last week? I did not. Okay, you have to go back and listen to it. Apparently, the, the whole day, the whole segment there, Ed was doing the show in his underwear. But he did make the, <laughs> the visual a little bit better and say it was long underwear. So. You know, gotcha. things like that. Those are the things you learned here on the balance overtime. Typically, we well, don't I can't that. say, I can't say that I've been guilty of that a time or two. <laughs> okay, well, good to know. So we we know that you're you're you know you're a you're a monster energy. Uh, see, you, you, as oh, much yeah. monster as you drink, you should be a NASCAR fan. Well, they should give us a sponsorship on the show here because, I mean, I, I promote them every week because I'm always on on the road <laughs> getting some monsters while I do the show. Free, so. free, free merchandise. <laughs> you know, I hate the yeah. fact that we're pushing Notre Dame into overtime, but we'll, we'll start there. Uh, again, bring everybody up to speed. This is the podcast. Uh, so we, we go into overtime. Our podcast is just because uh, we usually have, Utilize this time to talk about the NFL games, but it's going to be reversed today because Ed couldn't join us, and we already did the NFL games with uh, Adam Jividen, uh and then we did NBA as well. So we are in overtime with college, if that makes sense. Notre Dame uh, at Virginia. Now, here's the thing. I like Notre Dame, and this game is going to be a good game. My only game that I've gotten to go to in recent years to Notre Dame, and my first home game in Notre Dame was against Virginia, and Virginia beat them. So, no, I've got no, that. you're wrong. I've got that mirror. You're you're win? wrong. You went to the you went to the Virginia Tech game and Notre Dame oh, you're won. Right. You're right. My bad. 
That's two times, Rick, that you – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Notre Dame at Virginia, that's tonight. Good game to watch. Sit back, pound some beers. Uh, no chaos is going to get created, though, with this game. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I I see the spreads. I think it was five and a half last time I saw that favored Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame gets it done to take care of business by a couple of touchdowns tonight. They're going to slow start and make me mad through the first half, and then second half, like they normally do, is they'll take control of the game, and then I think they get it done by a couple of scores tonight. If you want a game to watch where you don't, even if you're not a fan, if you want a game to watch where you can pound some beers and yell at the TV, it's the other night game tonight, and that's Texas A&M and Mississippi. And Mississippi's going to win this game, and maybe not big, but they're going to win this game. A&M plays like they did against Bama when they beat Bama. Uh, look out, Mississippi, Ole Miss, because uh, uh, Jimbo I Fisher. Mississippi I, I don't I know what. Ole Miss. Well, I, I go ahead. You know, I don't know what you, you said, Mississippi. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, if if Ole Miss wants to keep that Ole Miss uh, the uh, the New Year's Six Bowl uh, game, uh, you know, thing they're looking ahead to uh, alive, they're going to have to beat A&M. I, I'm giving A&M the win in this one. Where is Clemson at this year? We're not even talking. Uh, about I, I don't even know if they even have a winning record. I know That's they have crazy. at least three losses. Yeah. That's crazy. Hey, and I don't know, did we talk <laughs> about LSU's uh, coaching change midseason or not midseason, but toward the, uh, they, they have nothing to play for, I get it, but wouldn't it be better to just wait till the if, – if that's the direction you're going to take and, and, and separate with the coach, let it happen at the end of the season, bring the team together at the end of the season. Why tell them now, even though you don't have anything to play for, okay, and it may not be a major distraction for the team as far as wins and losses go – just doesn't make sense to announce that at the end of the season you're parting ways with your coach, and that's what happened with with LSU. I mean, I agree with that. It, it and uh, do you see how LSU played for Ed last week uh, against Bama? They could have beat Bama last week. That was really close. It was a great yeah. game. And uh, so he's going out fighting, you know. And, and I do agree with you about why I do that midseason like that because it causes the whole distraction and everything. But at the same time, I see the other side of it. it it's because you can't wait around till the end of the year to do your coaching search because all this has a big effect on recruiting. So if they can get, you know, in the next month, you know, that this recruiting cycle, if they get a, a you know a Randa back or Joe Brady or somebody you know that was on the team years ago at LSU to be the head coach, that is a massive uh, that takes a massive uh, effect on, on recruiting, and they'll be a top five team in recruiting if they do that. So that's kind of why they do it. You know, on the surface, it doesn't look like a good idea to say, "Hey, yeah, we're." He's not going to be our coach next year. We're only halfway through the season. But at the same time, when you're dealing with recruits and you're in a coaching search, uh, things are kind of sped up because National Signing Day is in February. So whoever you're going to bring in, you want to bring him in in like December or something and get on that recruiting trail. We're talking with Rick Riggin, our official college football prognosticator. We're in overtime. We've got just a few more minutes here left in overtime. I would say, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I'm in Big Ten country, uh, and I don't always agree with 
ESPN, or I don't even know uh, where the game of the week with ESPN is at. I kind of, I kind of, you know, what I've, I've merged over to is the, the, with Clay Travis and the Fox, uh, the Fox college football coverage. Uh, yeah. I forgot the title of it, but I've, I've, I've started watching that more than I do ESPN uh, game day. Uh, but I like that. And I like the fact that they got uh, Clay Travis on the sideline. In spite of his other – this guy's got more gigs. And I, I know I have a man crush on Clay Travis, but this guy has more gigs. I mean, he, he took over for Rush Limbaugh. He's a Fox News contributor, and he, and he does the Fox uh, College stuff. And he still owns OutKick. So he's all over the place. He's, ma- he's making the dough. So, yeah. Uh, but – Nonetheless, my two, what I think the games of the week are Purdue at Ohio State and Michigan at Penn State. I mean, biggest impact win here would be Penn State, I think, because if Purdue wins, I don't know what big of an impact that'll have. Do you think either I'm wrong on either oh, one? Oh, they have a huge impact. That it, yeah, that'll be the biggest impact. If Purdue beats Ohio State, Ohio State season is done. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That would be a huge impact, yeah. but I just can't – they're at home. I mean, you can't root against Ohio State at home. Purdue's good. They've had some right. good – and they've had some milestone wins, but you're right. That would be – so, I mean, game of the week, Purdue at Ohio State? I think game of the week is probably Penn State and Michigan just because okay. I don't think uh, Purdue's going to hang with Ohio State here. Well, I appreciate you hanging but with that, us. Hey, Rick Riggin, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you talk of Big Ten. You know, I just know that A and M will miss that eleven fifteen matchup. Also, super huge today. A and M two and a half point favorite there, but uh, so mm-hmm. it'd be between them two. Both be great well, games that, to watch. Michigan, Penn State, A and M, Ole Miss. It'd be a, it'd be a great game to watch. Got a, always good games to watch on on Saturday, right? Rick Riggin, our official right. college football prognosticator, and his monster. Uh, energy drinks joins us uh, to talk college football and helping us out in the overtime. Rick, where can people find your work in masterpieces, sir? On the Twitter at Rick and underscore Rick, and we got a big surprise next week. Anybody catching the podcast here? Uh, we're going to be talking some wrestling. Wrestling. Looking forward to it. <laughs> and we're going to be promoting that this week too. And, and certainly, I, I know you'll be tweeting it out, and we'll get. Uh, oh, yeah. that all out yeah we're going to be talking some wrestling and it won't be in the overtime so you'll be able to listen to it live as as, as well <laughs> yeah rick we're on the first time uh, first time guest and uh man he's probably going to lead the way in this wrestling talk but it, it's it's going to be a fun time so bring on new oh. guests uh everything next week <laughs> fresh meat love it all right buddy have yourself yep. a good weekend sir yep have a good one always fun <laughs> yeah Rick Riggin, our official college football prognosticator. Yeah, don't know you're not seeing double things. Just went backwards today. <laughs> we started with the NFL and ended with college instead of starting with college and ending with the NFL. But hey, that's what today's show was called Chaos. Make sure you follow us on the Twitter at T Balance uh, and on Facebook, The Balance. And, uh, you know, hit subscribe. Let us know how awesome you are because we already know how awesome we are. Uh, but just hit subscribe. The good thing about it is when you hit subscribe, as soon as we drop a podcast, it's right there for you. My name's Tom Marquis. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. And thanks again to all the veterans. We love you.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.